Well, good morning, Harvest. As Pastor Tim said, I am Mitch Tucker. I'm the high school pastor here, and I am absolutely thrilled and humbled to have this opportunity today and, and bring the word to all of you. Well, we are in the middle, our third part of our In Trouble Time series, and we've been working our way through uh, quadrants of our selfish and sinful heart. And we've spent the last couple of weeks on the, the bottom two portions of fear and despair. And we're going to start to move up the heart today. And really where we're moving from is, is the two bottom quadrants are, are really is, is based upon unbelief. Unbelief in God. Is my God big enough to handle this situation? Or does my God care enough to be able to, to step in and meet me where I'm at? An unbelief in God. And as we move up the heart, we actually, the, the chest starts to get a little bit bigger. We start to puff ourselves up a little bit more. And it's not so much a heart of unbelief, but it's a heart of pride. And so if I can give you this, this physical illustration here is as we move up from the heart, we have kind of a uh, more of a almost just, a, just bogged down by life almost kind of a little bit of, of, of a defeated heart, but as we move up the heart, our chest gets a little bit bigger. We, pr- we swell up with pride and we say, I can handle this. I'm going to go after what I want. I don't need God. I'm just going to follow what, what, uh, what feels good and what, what my plan is. And we're in the quadrant of foolishness today. And foolishness has this, this prideful puffing up of your chest. And then next week, will be in the quadrant of, of anger, which still has that, that prideful, puffed-up chest, except the angry person has a machete in their right hand. So get excited for next week when we talk about the heart of anger. But today, we're in the, the heart of foolishness, and we're going to spend some time walking through the first 10 verses, uh, 10, 10 verses of Psalm 34. But before we get there, we have to spend a little bit of time in, in some background. And I'm telling you, I love this story. There's, there's so many things that, that, that's going on. And, and, and what a uh, um, great title in Trouble Times, because we have David here, the psalmist, in an incredibly troubled time. So I'm going to try to do this in about 90 seconds. I'm a background nerd. I love to dig into the background and the history of things, but I'm going to try to do this in 90 seconds. So... The story actually comes from 1 Samuel chapter 21, but I want to go actually back to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and that's where we have this awesome scene of David versus Goliath, where he kills the giant Philistine, the arch enemy of the Israelites, and he takes Goliath's sword and he cuts his head off. Then David becomes part of, of Saul's, King Saul's army, and is very faithful, and he's incredibly successful. So successful that that King Saul gets very incredibly jealous of David and his fame. And so that jealousy rises up when he actually is starting to to go after David's life. Well, David befriends Saul's son, Jonathan. They become best friends. And we have this very emotional scene as as Jonathan and David, they they embrace as friends. And Jonathan says, David, you, you can't go back. You can't pack anything, but you got to take off. Because if you stay here, my dad is going to kill you. 100%, it's going to happen. So just don't pack, any, don't pack up anything, just take off. And so he takes off, and he gets to the town of, of Nob in 1 Samuel chapter 20. 
He gets to Nob and he, he finds the priest there. And David says, you know, I, I had to leave in such a hurry. Do you have any weapons here? Do you have any swords? The priest of Nob says, you know, I've got, I've got one. I've got, I've got one sword and one sword only, but there's none like it. So he goes and he shows him the sword of Goliath. And David agrees. He says, yes, there, that is true. There is no sword that is like this. So he takes the sword. Well, he can't stay in Nob, though. Because there is a spy, or almost an, an assassin of King Saul, his name is Doeg the Edomite, and he's there in Nob, and David finds this out, so he's got to just take off. Where he finds himself is in the court of the king of Gath. That is in Philistine country. Now remember just a few chapters back what David just did to a Philistine hero. Let's take it a little bit further. Does anyone know where Goliath came from? the city of Gath. So he's in Goliath's hometown, and he also has Goliath's sword to rub dirt in it, right? You thought you had a bad day when you dropped your toothbrush in the toilet, all right, this morning? Okay, let's put ourselves in, in David's shoes. He is in incredibly troubled times. And so as the story goes, David he acts insane. And I'm going to spare you some of the details because it's a little bit gross, but he just, he just goes nuts. And then the king of Gath has, has a great line. He says something to the effect of, I have, I have way too many madmen around me. I don't need another one in my company, so just get out of here, David. And David is, is delivered from the hand of the king of Gath, the hometown of Goliath, the hometown hero, that giant. And it's with that mindset that we're going to dig into Psalm 34, because that's the, the situation that David is going to now direct his satisfaction and praise to the Almighty. So let's bring us to our, our first of three points here this morning. First point is worship and prayer and song to your great God. Let's dig in here, verse 1 here of chapter 34. David speaking, it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. How often? All. all times means in trouble times, means in good times, in times where he's experiencing joy and, and happiness. No, I bless the Lord at all times. And this is the, the Lord, the, the personal intimate name, Yahweh, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, because David embraces the Almighty. And he understands that that his God is not a distant God. His God is, is not a, a God that's just unconcerned with his circumstances and his troubled times. But no, his God is, is near him, knows what he's going through, is concerned for his well-being. says, I'm going to look to praise you at all times. Then he says, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. See, David hasn't hidden his obvious devotion and worship to his Lord. It's not deep in the recesses of his heart. He hasn't hidden it in a closet far away, but it's, it's right there. It's looking for every single little moment and opportunity to shout forth his praises of his deliverer. So what we're going to be doing this morning is we're going to start uh, a little list. And what I want you to do, it's a, almost a table, if you will. On the, the left-hand side, I want you to write down, these are the, 
this is the fruit or the marks of foolishness. And on the right-hand side, I want you to start a similar list of these are the, this is the fruit of the marks of being satisfied in the Lord. And that's what we're going after. Not a heart of foolishness, but a heart of, of learning how to be satisfied completely, 100% in our deliverer. Where's our first uh, fruit of, of foolishness? The fool is lazy in worship. Now, the, the Bible talks a lot about foolishness, and especially in the book of Proverbs, really one of, a synonym for foolishness is, is being lazy. But we're going to be a little bit more specific here to, to verse 1. The fool is lazy in worship. Let me ask you a question. How did you get up this morning? We're going to have some very, very, very real moments today. We're going to ask a lot of questions. How did you wake up this morning? Did you wake up thinking, all right, what possible excuse could I, could I give to not to come today? How did you wake up this morning? The fool is lazy in worship. It's not a big deal to him or her. On the other side, the fruit of, of satisfaction, I mean, this is David, he's constantly looking for opportunities to worship. Constantly looking for opportunities to worship. David would be excited to gather here together and worship our deliverer. I was looking for, for opportunities to serve. This week is going to be an awesome opportunity to serve at Vacation Bible School. Constantly looking for opportunities to worship. Well, David continues, it says, My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. David says, who I truly am, my innermost being, I'm going to hold the Lord above all. Because I've experienced times where I've put myself above the Lord and there is a 0% chance of success when I've done that. So I'm going to hold the Lord above all and I'm going to speak of his fame. Then he says, let the humble hear and be glad. This is going to be a, a, a big deal here in Psalm 34. One of David's Continual points, he'll say over and over and over again, is he's instructing his audience to put yourself in a place to hear the Lord. David says, it's only the humble, only the ones who put themselves under the sovereign rule and plan of Almighty God. Not to put myself out in front of God. I think I've got this. I think I could figure this out by myself and trying to get out in front of God. But no, putting yourself underneath God, taking the, the low position. It's that person that actually can hear the instructions of the Lord because our God is immutable. He's unchanging. He's always speaking his truth. He's always revealing himself, but it's the prideful person that just can't hear it because they're following their own prideful, foolish, selfish heart. It was a couple weeks ago, I was about to go to bed, and one of my things I do before I go to bed is I, is I do the dishes. And I was unloading the dishwasher, and I was doing one of those things where I had about five or six glasses, because I didn't want to take as many, I wanted to take as few trips from the dishwasher to the cupboard as possible. Uh, well, that was foolish, because uh, as I was on my way, I, I dropped one, and glass shattered everywhere. Well, I was about to go to bed. It was the last thing I wanted to do. But... Obviously, I had, to, I had to take some time, and I had to pick up the glasses. 
And so I got a broom, and I started to sweep everything up, and I got to the point where I thought I had everything. And then I thought, you know what? You know, what, what if? What if there's you know, one or two more pieces that I just can't see from my vantage point up here? And so what I did is I, I laid on the ground. I got on that level. I took the low position, and I just started to look. And sure enough, there were, there were two jagged, sharp pieces of glass that I was like, I, I didn't see it from this point. I didn't see it from my vantage point of, of, of up here. And that's what pride does. We play some games with ourselves and say, hey, from my vantage point, I think things are fine. I've got it all figured out. I don't need God. But David is saying, no, take the low position. Don't get out in front of God, but take the position underneath him. And when you do that, you can see better because God instructs you clearer because you can hear him. So that brings us to our, our second fruit of foolishness. The fool is, number two, deaf to instruction. Because of his or her prideful heart, the they haven't put themselves in a position to clearly hear the instructions and corrections of God. So they're deaf to instruction. And on the other side, the fruit of being satisfied in the Lord, they delight in their low position. There is a delighting in humility. There's a delighting in that low position because they know that God is in control of that circumstance and in their life. And they know what that, what that produces. That produces Gladness, joy, peace in the midst of circumstances where there should be no peace. Delight in their low position. David continues, says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. This corporate time of some all-out outburst of worship. And it really comes from, from verse 2. We've encountered who God is and his instruction and his plan for us. And naturally, someone who's being satisfied in the Lord and living that out, naturally that, that, that leads to exaltation. And so there's this amplifying and this giant outburst of praise together, which gets us to our third mark of foolishness. The third mark of foolishness or fruit of foolishness is that the fool simply just doesn't care about exaltation to the Lord. Just doesn't care about exaltation to the Lord. If we remember our, our triangle of encounter, exalt, and engage, the fool wants to spend maybe a little bit of time encountering some things about the Lord and just doesn't care about exaltation, then wants to just force it and engagement. Then the mark of satisfaction, praise, is a big deal. Someone who is being satisfied in the Lord, the more they know about who God is and the more that they experience God's plan working in their life and they can see him work, the more they just want to all out praise him. So praise is a big deal for one who's being satisfied in the Lord. Well, many of you know I have four young kids, age 10, 9, 7, and 4. There are four boys, and they are incredibly active, and sometimes things break. Sometimes things don't quite go as well uh, in our house, and things get a, a little bit messy. And so uh, a handful of months ago, I was driving back on a Sunday night from McKnight, our high school ministry here, late at night, probably about 10, 10, 15, 
I call up my wife, Sarah. Um, I, just, I just say, hey, Sarah, just heads up, I'm, I'm, I'm coming home. And she said, well, Mitch, before you get home, there's a, there's, there's a situation at home. And of course, my, uh, my fearful heart thinks, okay, great, uh, which one of my kids is puking or has a crazy high finger uh, who's sick? And Sarah calmed my fearful heart and said, no, it's, 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 it's not that. But there is a picture on the upstairs bathroom door because one of our kids has taken a dry erase marker, which they received instruction, hey, dry erase markers only go in one place, and that's on a dry erase board. One of my kids has taken a dry erase marker, and on our wooden bathroom door has, has drawn something that looks like this. I'm not sure exactly what it was, a hamburger person. And Sarah warned me, she, she said, I, I've already tried a couple times with some, some sprays and some, some soap and water to get it, and it's not moving at all. It's not, it's not lightning. The, 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 the dry erase marker is just soaking in to that wood. It might be permanent. That's what we might have is, is the, the front door to our upstairs bathroom. And so naturally, as a parent, and all parents in this room are, are asking, going to be asking the same question, the follow-up question, which is, who did it? <laughs> Let's put some blame on someone. Well, who's the guilty party? So I, I asked Sarah, you know, who, who did it? Did someone fess up, or did someone tell on one of their brothers? And she said, well, that was the easy part. Because underneath the picture... <laughs> Oh, sweet, sweet Gabe, you are in trouble. <laughs> He's in second grade. Let's pray for the people back in higher ground right now. Well, I got, the story's not done. So I got up the next morning, and I went and, and, and I witnessed this hamburger person or whatever it was. But Gabe did not know that I had seen it. And so I went back up after about five minutes with, with my concoction to try to, to rub this thing out. And this is what I saw. <laughs> no one ever said parenting's easy, right? See, one of the the end results of living a foolish life is something that we call in the Tucker household deep trouble, right? <laughs> Not just trouble, but, but deep trouble. But the reason why I tell this story is because this is where we start with the heart of foolishness. Let me ask this question. Does your name belong in an area of your life where a foolish picture has been painted? Does your name belong in an area of your life where there's foolishness has been lived out. I want to take just, just a couple moments here, and I'm going to invite you all to, uh, to close your eyes, and let's just going to spend some time in prayer just between you and your Lord. I want to ask you, if you're, if you're bold enough to pray this prayer right now,
Are you bold enough to, to ask this of the Lord right now in prayer? Lord, is there an area of my life right now I'm playing the fool? Go ahead, just take some time. If you're bold enough right now in prayer to ask that, Lord, is there an area of my life right now I'm playing the fool? And then if you're bold enough, then I'm going to ask you to make this request in that prayer. Lord, make me humble enough to hear your voice in this area right now. Lord, make me humble enough to hear your voice in this area right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you need to spend some, some more time in, in prayer, I'm going to invite you to just, just do that right now. But uh, we're going to move on. And David's attack, really, on, on foolishness as we get to our, our second point. Second point is this. Remember the works that God has done and the impact on your soul he has had. So if you're following along, we're here in verse 4. David says, I sought the Lord... And he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. I want, want to note this, this progression because David's going to repeat it again. David puts himself in a position not only that he can hear the Lord and his instructions, but also that he can be heard as well. David says, I, I sought out the Lord. I searched for him and his plan in this troubled time. I had been, been stripped of my own pride. I had been stripped of, of my own intelligence and my own strength. And I was desperate for you, Lord. I, I searched desperately for you. It's, it's a heart of, of humility. It's coming to the Lord and, and saying, Lord, I, I need you. If I try to handle this myself, I'm just going to mess it up. Lord, I need you and I need your instruction Right now, he sought the Lord. He put himself in a position not only to hear the Lord, but then also to be heard as well. What do we, what do we see what the Lord does with that? It says, he answered me. He listened to me. He knew what was going on, and then he took it to action. And it says, he delivered me. He saved me from, from all that was going on, from all the things coming from my left and my right and he says, everyone looking intently at God's provision instead of the problem, they shine his truth and have peace throughout. Everyone looking intently at God's provision instead of the problem, shine his truth and have peace throughout. So this is going to bring us to our fourth mark or fruit of foolishness. The fourth fruit of foolishness, similar to what we're just going to call a blame shifter. A blame shifter. Because the fool says, okay, I'm feeling this. I'm in this uncomfortable situation, but it just can't be because of me. It's got to be something else or someone else. It can't be me. It's a blame shifter. And then the fruit of satisfaction, really the focus is not on the problem, but it's, it's focusing on God's provision through it. You know, my God is doing something here. There's this confidence in God's provision and his plan. And there's a peace that comes from that. Amen. There's a focus not on the problem, but on God's 
provision. We're going to say, see the same progression here as we get here to verse 6. I love how David identifies himself here at the very beginning of verse 6. It says, this poor man cried. What a humble attitude. This poor man cried. I've been, I've been stripped of, of all of my pride. I've got nothing except you and you alone. This poor man cried out. And it says, the Lord heard him. The Lord was listening. The Lord heard that cry of desperation. And then the Lord, it says, it saved him from all his troubles. Delivered David in the midst of that incredibly the worst position, the worst place he could possibly think of. Then listen to this, this awesome and powerful promise. David says, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. The angel of the Lord. This possibly is a reference to the pre-incarnate Christ. Surrounds the one who fears the Lord. No, I have to admit, when I was an undergraduate at Moody Bible Institute in the early 2000s, I had some confusion about what, what, this, what did this mean? What is the fear of the Lord? And I have to admit, I don't remember the professor that, that told me this, but this has not come from me. This comes from, from someone else. Because when I think of the word fear, I think of naturally the bottom, one of the bottom quadrants, and it's, it's an, in a negative sense. It has to do with an unbelief in, in, in God. But this fear of the Lord is just over and over again in the scriptures, and it seems like something that I want. It seems incredibly positive. And so the professor explained it to me this way. He said, there's, there's really, there's two motions to the fear of the Lord. And the first one is, you're taken back. And as you're taken back by the bigness, the vastness, the awesomeness of who God is, how sovereign he is, how easily in control he is, you just have this wow and whoa moment as your eyes are opened up a little bit to how awesome and powerful and mighty our God is. But that's only half of it. It's only half of when, when, when we're taken back. It says, but fear the Lord, the, other, the second half of it is then a moving forward of trust and confidence. Saying, Lord, I surrender to you. I submit to you and to your plan. So David says, the angel of the Lord is surrounds and protects and delivers those who are taking time to see the bigness and the vastness and the power and the might of God, and then takes that moment of trust and says, Lord, and I am all in with who you are. A lowering of self and an elevation of, of who God is, and saying, I am all in with you. Which is going to bring us to our fifth mark, fifth fruit of foolishness. If you're following along, this is number five. The fool is obsessed with personal comfort. Obsessed with personal comfort. They're always asking the question, what's the quickest way out of this? I don't feel comfortable. I'm experiencing something that, that I don't like. And so what's the quickest way for me to get out of here? Not what's the best way. Not what's God's plan. Not let me, let me search and, and seek out his will. But what's, what can I do? How can I quickly and fastly get out of this? Because I don't like experience what I'm going through right now. That's the fool. The one who's being satisfied in the Lord is confident that God's plan is best. Confident that God's plan is best. 
not quick. Sometimes it is quick, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, sometimes it's, hey, just, just be patient, just wait. I'm doing something that you don't even have a clue about, but it's going to be awesome. Confident that God's plan is best. So about December, January, I was sitting in uh, my living room with my wife, Sarah, and it was the, the in-between moments after my kids go to bed and about an hour, hour and a half before we retire for, for the night. And I had been thinking about this for a while and bringing it up to, to prayer. And so I thought, hey, let, me just, let me just put this past my wife and just, just see if my, my, my way off or my, this is something where the, the Lord is leading me. And my bout with my personal foolishness. And I asked my wife, I said, Sarah, you know, this is what I've been thinking about. I think I get to this moment here of the night where things kind of are a little bit down. There's, there's some time to breathe and, and to rest. And I think what I'm, what I'm filling my time with is not what I should be. I'm filling my time not with bringing things that are causing me anxiety in prayer. I'm, I'm, I'm not filling this time with, uh, with taking this, this opportunity and talking with, with things with, with my wife and, and getting our communication squared away or taking my frustrations perhaps maybe about my, my kids' schooling and maybe how, how things are going there and bringing that into prayer, but, but I'm filling it with something else. And it's going to sound absolutely ridiculous, but as we put foolishness out on the table and we expose it, foolishness sounds ridiculous. I want to put that, that picture up of me. This is at the end of February. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is the face of foolishness. Not Kevin's, my. So this is at the end of, of February. This is our winter retreat that we do, 7th through 12th grade, we call Revive. This is up in, in Wisconsin. Let's just say, side note, there, there are some people who can pull off the mustache. It's a select few. And obviously, I belong to that select few. No, I'm just kidding. I, 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 look, <laughs> I look ridiculous. I'm also 40 pounds heavier in this picture from the end of February. Because what I was doing was not being satisfied and seeking out the Lord and his plan. I was going for that third bowl of Fruity Pebbles. I was going for that, that, that extra donut. I was going for that junk food. And why? Because there were things that were weighing down my heart, frustrations that the Lord wanted me to bring to him and, and he take and he own. But it was a quick way for me to kind of forget about it for a short amount of time and just a short amount of time that I could fall asleep and then I could push it to the next day. What's the quickest way out of this? I don't feel good. I don't enjoy what's going on. And so what's the quickest way that I can figure out how I can get out of this? And it sounds ridiculous, but I put fruity pebbles over being satisfied in the Lord. Foolishness, when you expose it, when it's put out on the table, it does sound that ridiculous. Now, this is not about weight loss 
or weight gain. Sometimes foolishness has an outward sign to it, but remember, we're talking about the heart here. We're talking about a prideful, foolish heart that sometimes as you follow where it gets to, it does have a physical appearance to it, but that's not the heart. The heart is, I'm trying to go for that, that quick fix. I'm trying to shove off my problems. How can I get by this day and push it off to the next? So I want to go through four questions right now as a a follow-up from our short time of of prayer. And I want you to bring these questions to the Lord. And I want to see if, if one of the answers is going to be yes, or maybe two or three or maybe all four. So let's, let's run through these, these questions right now. Question number one is this. Bring this to the Lord. Do I concern myself most with personal happiness and comfort? Do I concern myself most with personal happiness and comfort? That's what you go after. You, can, you knock down everything else because that's what you're most concerned about is your own personal happiness and comfort. Number two, do I feel like something other than God has control over me. I told you we're going to have many moments of being real here. Do I feel like something other than God has control over me? Number three, do I concern myself more with immediate relief from pain than with God's eternal plan? Do I concern myself more with immediate relief from pain than with God's eternal plan. Here's our last question for you to consider. Do I ignore wise counsel in favor of pursuing my own desires? Do I ignore wise counsel in favor of pursuing my own desires? Well, as you're bringing those those questions to the Lord, pondering those possibilities, let's finish out our section here with Psalm 34 with our final point. Final point is this. Find your joy and satisfaction in your God rather than in this world. We're here in verse 8, and David says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. The Lord takes care of those who run to him in t- troubled times. David says, Whoa, this, just, just this whoa moment. And this, in his instruction to his audience, he's saying, let's fully experience, let's fully experience the satisfaction and the goodness that only comes from one place, and one place only. He only comes from the Lord. That's going to bring us to our, our last mark of foolishness and being satisfied. Last mark of foolishness this morning is that the fool goes after what feels good. The fool goes after what feels good. And here's the big difference as we move over to the fruit of satisfaction. doesn't go after what feels good, but actually knows what is good. Knows what actually is good. So I wrote, this, I wrote this down about what actually is good, right? What actually is good only comes from and reflects the Lord. Love is its basis, is eternal, and is never self-manufactured. Let me read that again. What is actually good only comes from and reflects the Lord. Love 
is its basis, is eternal, and is never self-manufactured. David is instructing us, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And it's not a fake goodness. No, it reflects the Lord himself. It stands the test of time. Love is its basis. See, we only have one and only constant in our life. Everything else and everyone else, whether it feels good in the moment or it's neutral, has the potential to disappoint us, cause us pain, cause regret, or simply has an expiration date. But our one and only constant is Jesus Christ. In Psalm 34, David is saying, let's not go after what feels good. Let's go after, let's go after what actually is good. There's only one source that can truly satisfy, that can truly stand the test of time, that reflects the glory of the Lord, and he wants to outpour his love to us. Oh, taste and see that our Lord, our God, is good. And here in verse 9, we have this concept again of fear in the Lord. It says, oh, fear the Lord, you as saints, for those who fear him have no lack. Those who trust the Lord, they always have enough. Those who are trusting in the Lord, they always have enough. The David ends the section, at least, that we're going to be in this morning in verse 10. And he talks about the young lions. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. I'm reminded, parents, of Proverbs 22, verse 15. It starts out like this. It says, folly is bound up in the heart of a child. Meaning this, foolishness comes very, very easily to kids. Foolishness is abundant to children. And so parents, what's our, what's our, our calling to do? How do we handle that as foolishness comes up in our children's lives? Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Parents, there, are, there will be moments where foolishness is just being radiated in, in the life of your child. And the Lord is calling you to correct, to instruct, to discipline at times. And we seek out his heart and his wisdom and his plan of how to handle that as parents. Well, I have a lot of food illustrations this morning. But my last one is actually a, is a healthy food. Because my favorite food and fruit of all time, always has been, always will be, are freshly picked red raspberries. I can't grow them. I've, I've tried several times to, to grow raspberry bushes, and I've killed them every single time. So sometimes I just need to go into um, some individual's yard. My, my aunt has a, a red raspberry bush, and I can go and steal it sometimes. Um, I owe probably several pounds over the years. But, but I love to take that that sun-ripened red raspberry. And then I, I like to put it in my mouth, and I don't like to swallow it right away. I just like to let it just kind of dissolve and savor it. And I was thinking about our, 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 our five senses that the Lord has given us, sight, hearing, smell, taste, and touch. 
Now, I was wondering why David used, why, why taste and see? Why not just see? See that the Lord is good. And I came to, to this thought, that of all the senses, tasting is the one that is, is, makes you the most vulnerable. Tasting is the one that, that is, is the most intimate. Because we can take our relationship with Jesus Christ and we can, we can see him from afar. He's in the room and we can be convinced, oh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in God's plan. I'm in God's will. He's, I can see him. We can also do that with hearing as well. You're here this morning and we can be convinced in our foolishness, well, I'm, I'm hearing. I'm hearing God's word. But it never permeates our life. We never seek him out completely being satisfied in him. And smelling, we, we get a little bit closer. And touching seems like it's, it's the next step of vulnerability, but you can, you can hold them out at arm's length and play a lot of games that way. But when you taste, he's got to come inside. And David is saying, savor Jesus Christ. Savor your God. Let Put yourself in a position to hear him and to be heard through humility. Throw off this foolish heart of pride and selfishness and seek to be 100% satisfied, fully fulfilled in Jesus Christ and him alone. For he is our one and only constant. He is our one and only source of what it actually is to experience Goodness. Goodness is not found in anyone else or anything else. We can play games all we want. We can even play games with the Lord. We can hold him in arms blanks. We can hear him. We can, we can do, have things set up in our life where he's around, but not in. So let's go to prayer this morning as we, we end up. And I want to encourage you all just to bring, bring that area of foolishness. May, perhaps the Lord brought something to mind in these last handful of minutes. So take some time to perhaps, maybe there's a time of confession that needs to be made, saying, Lord, I need you to forgive me for this because my eyes are, are now open. And Lord, I've been, been trying to go after this, being satisfied in something else other than you. Lord, as it's laid, you laid it out on the table, Lord, it is ridiculous. So, Lord, I'm done with this. And I'm following you with, with all I got.